Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply This is a game day podcast from TalkSport Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from Talk Sport as we look forward to a full midweek of Premier League games in the company of the former Manchester City winger Trevor Sinclair and Talk Sports Alex Crook. But first, penalty schmenalty. So it's Ronaldo against Krull. 74 on the clock. A penalty for Manchester United at the river end. Krull is going through his repertoire of antics on the touchline. He arcs his run up, steps up, slams it into the corner and sends Krull the wrong way and sends Manchester United into the lead. And Cristiano Ronaldo is a goal scorer again. A weekend where five games have been decided by penalties. What does that tell us? The most of those matches were really tight. Tighter, in fact, than Adama Traore's jersey. Ralph Ranić continues his unbeaten streak, but will they even play Brentford? Leicester bounce back from European disappointment, but will they even play Tottenham? And Raheem Sterling scores a landmark goal. We will hear from him. Yeah, it's a nice achievement to win. The, the most important today was a difficult game, man, to get, get through. I'm just happy to, to be able to help the team. Chelsea's comeback, West Ham's goal-scoring woes, and Conor Gallagher is the boy. We will try to look at all the midweek action with every game available via the TalkSport app. It really is the best way to follow the Premier League. And like James Madison, you can dive right in. It's the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello to Trevor Sinclair and Alex Crook. Trevor, um, I mean, what, I was going to say what was the highlight of your week, but obviously it's seeing Alex Crook's shirt. I mean, can we describe it quickly before we go any further? The only word I would use is rascal. <laughs> That's fine. I like that. I'm happy with that. So, so sorry, could you just explain to us what is actually on that horrible shirt that you're wearing? I think they're moose wearing Christmas hats. So you're dressed like the moose. <laughs> now let's not be uh, let's not be too silly about it. Listen, Adrian Durham has been wearing this type of stuff on Drive for years, and he looked awful as well. Yeah. <laughs> could you just stand up so we could have a look? Can we just have a little look. So we just step back. So what is it like? Reindeers on that? Could you, we want to see your face as well, please? Reindeers with a Santa hat on. I mean, that is literally the worst shirt I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, okay, nice to see you. Uh, What was the highlight of your weekend apart from Crook's shirt, Trevor? Um, The highlight of my weekend was, wasn't the game actually. I was at the Etihad. Um, It was a really scrappy game. Manchester City got the three points by, some would call a dubious penalty, but yeah, it wasn't a great spectacle. And I think a lot of that was caused by the officiating by John Moss, unfortunately. By, by some, do you mean everybody that isn't a Manchester City supporter? <laughs> well, I think you look at the the, the the top three or four teams in the league and they all had dubious penalties over this weekend. So I'm sure we'll get into that, especially the Chelsea one. Well, I, I actually don't think that anybody else had a more dubious penalty than that amongst the top clubs. I think the Leicester one is worse, obviously. Uh, but the, uh, the I, I, don't, I mean, the handball... Is it's farcical, isn't it? It hits him on the body. I mean, his arm is in the air, yes, but it then goes on to his arm from that. I mean, I, I've gone through the laws of the game and I do think that the the uh, PGMOL will make a case for it being the correct decision because it says in one of the laws that if your arm is in an, a position like this with it up in the air, you run the risk of the ball hitting your arm, therefore giving away a free kick or penalty. And I think when you, when, you, when you talk about penalties and the silhouette of the body so if your arms are by your side and there was one earlier in the game against the Wolves player Max Gilman uh, we we spoke we spoke about it and I thought yeah his body, he's, he can't actually move his arms he was right close to his um, thighs and I thought correct decision I don't think P- uh, VAR looked at it and I thought that was the correct decision on this occasion uh, the arm was well raised above the head and even if it did maybe because I don't think we can all be certain touch the armpit before it touched the arm 
the arm was always going to cover the ball and the ball was never going to find Sorry, Trevor, through. Trevor, could you jump? I mean, it's actually visible on the screen. Could you take your blue tinted glasses off <laughs> for a second? If Raheem Sterling had have sniffed the ball before he took the penalty, he would have been able to smell whatever deodorant <laughs> the Wolves player was wearing. That's how much it hit the armpit. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was a ridiculous penalty. Come on, let's just admit it. Um, I don't like the Madison one either. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. I thought Ings had a bit of a case when Allison seemed to collide into him. But I know he put his hand on the ball, but he also took him with his legs at the same time as well. Um, look, you know, I think there were two. Many games decided by penalties. I think mm -hmm. soft penalties were supposed to be eradicated this season and the, the Madison one falls into that category. I don't understand how the VAR has not overturned it. I don't understand how the VAR has not overturned the Gial Martinho uh, handball. But I actually think the game evened itself up at uh, the Etihad Stadium because I do think the, the Kilman one, he leans into the ball. So that could have been a, a penalty. Anyway, um, Sunday finished with more positive COVID tests. How much peril is the midweek football in, Crook? Well, I think you have to say that uh, United's trip to Brentford that you're due to be commentating live on TalkSport on Tuesday is under threat. The fact that United have already notified the Premier League of these positive COVID tests suggests that maybe they're laying the foundations for some kind of postponement. My understanding is that all of the United travelling party that made their way to Carrow Road uh, took lateral flow tests before boarding the coach. They were all negative and then they were tested again after the game and there were some positive tests. Those players kept away from the training ground on Sunday. And listen, we, should, we probably shouldn't speculate, but you do wonder if there is a correlation here because Tottenham had to call off their last game because of positive COVID tests. They were playing Norwich not that long ago. Um, Norwich then had a COVID outbreak that affected their team selection for the weekend. And then they've just played Manchester United and suddenly they've got COVID uh, positive tests as well. So it's not a great situation. Then we hear about Aston Villa closing their training ground with only one player um, so far has tested positively. So hopefully their game will be able to go ahead. And Tottenham are confident that their situation is, is easing now and that their match on Thursday against Leicester should at this stage go ahead as scheduled. Okay, so we might get at least 90% of the games played this week, which is good because we've got a huge midweek schedule. But first, let's have a look at some of the stories of the weekend. Here's McTominay, forward onto Ronaldo inside the area, going a little bit wide, chops back in on his right foot, then goes on his left, then strikes towards the far corner, saved by Krull, pushed away. And out towards this near side. Sancho picks it up, tries to get to the byline, does get to the byline, produced across into the near post, stabbed away by Kabak. Tellez whips it in towards the near post. It's headed away by Sargent, comes back out as far as Dallo, clips it back down the left towards Fernandez. Great header across the face of goal, tucked away by Sorensen again. Sancho back into the area looking for Maguire, who flicks ahead of goalwards! And it's tipped over the top by the backpack uh, pedalling. Krull, who just about fingered it over the top of the crossbar after a really good header, stooping on the penalty spot, was Harry Maguire. The cross that came in was brilliant from Sancho. A little flicked header, which seemed to be looping over Krull before he tipped it out for a corner. Here is uh, Puki on the edge of the area, trying to turn, does turn, gets the shot away, hits the top of the crossbar. There was a little touch by De Gea to help it onto the woodwork. But from 18 yards, Puki spun turned, whacked it left-footed, sent it right down the throat of the goalkeeper who sprawled up to his left and tipped it onto the crossbar. There might be a penalty here because there was a tuck back on Ronaldo. There was. It's going to be a penalty to Manchester United. Yep. Ronaldo's had to wait a very long time. Crawl is going through his repertoire of antics on the touchline. He arcs his run-up, steps up, slams it into the corner and sends Crawl the wrong way and sends Manchester United into the lead. Oh, what a chance that was. What a brilliant save from De Gea, who's rescued Manchester United for a second time in this game. Manchester United won away at Norwich thanks to a penalty from Ronaldo 15 minutes from time 11 changes and despite the rest and having extra time to prepare Manchester United looked a little bit sluggish and didn't really threaten a side who have considered more goals than any other in the Premier League this season and they got a little bit lucky and relied on David De Gea to keep them in it Trevor Sinclair Yeah, David De Gea I think this season in general apart from a couple of mistakes he's been outstanding one of the mistakes possibly could be the Bernardo goal when they uh, were at home against Manchester City but in general I think his displays of 
been superb and it reflects what his attitude has been this year. He went in early for pre-season training. He knew that there was a, a risk to his number one jersey at Manchester United. Uh, he came in early, worked his socks off and he's got the rewards, got his, found his form. Unfortunately for Manchester United, he has because he was excellent. He made a couple of really key saves in that game. And I think it's been said before, but I think if it was anyone other than Norwich or certainly a, a top 10 side, Manchester United could have found themselves on the losing side. Uh, yeah, they lacked a little bit of physicality. Uh, Ralph Rangnick bemoaned the body language. I was particularly disappointed with Marcus Rashford. I thought his final ball choice was poor again, Alex. I think he needs to be taken out of the team. Um, I think his form for a long time now has been questionable. And he looks like a player who doesn't enjoy his football. He looks like a player who doesn't have the confidence that he had when he first burst onto the scene. He's not doing anything on a whim now. And uh, it, I think he's overthinking it. You know, yeah. there's, there's, there's no kind of uh, spontaneity in his game. And I think Mason Greenwood, if this game against Brentford goes ahead, should get the nod. But he's not the only one. Bruno Fernandes, after what we thought was a mini upturn, scoring a big goal in the Champions League, he too is struggling. And actually, I was listening to uh, your commentary, Sam, and I thought Alvin Martin hit the nail on the head. It's easy if you're a defender and you're trying to rebuild confidence because you just keep the game simple. Even as a centre forward, you just hope that a chance comes your way from six yards and you put it in the back of the net. If you're Bruno Fernandes, a maverick, a playmaker, someone who's expected to carry the team, it isn't that easy because you keep having to try to make things happen, but he just doesn't seem capable of it. A tricky, moment in time. tricky trip on Tuesday as well, isn't it? We think they're going to take on Brentford, who came back from a one-goal deficit on Friday night against Watford. Not an easy team to put to bed, Trevor Sinclair. No, I was, uh, I was impressed, especially uh, without Canos and uh, their talisman, Ivan Tony missing. I, I expected Watford to to possibly win that game. And I was surprised and pleased that the Brentford side came through it and shown really good resilience coming back from a goal down. I thought that was excellent team spirit and uh, the manager will be very pleased with that. Uh, the sooner they can get Tony back, the better. Uh, they don't need him to take was... penalties though, do they? Because Byron in Burma was particularly cool and calm, I thought, right yeah, at the very end of that game. Because the amount of chances that I've seen him miss this season. <laughs> and uh, listen... That's what forwards do. And he keeps on putting himself in a position. So you have to give him credit for that. But he's not been clinical enough. And especially with some of the chances that I've seen him miss. Mm. But from the spot, kudos. He did very well. And uh, yeah, no, they're, they're going to get stronger. I think that'll give them a lot of confidence for the squad. You know, missing a couple of their really key players and still being able to come back from a goal deficit and winning that game. And that'll be excellent for team spirit and belief. Norwich improving. They welcome Aston Villa on Tuesday. You can see they are more organised, can't you? They had serious injury and COVID problems in that game at the weekend. In fact, all three of their first choice central defenders were out of the team after 15 minutes because Grant Hanley picked up a bad injury. They responded brilliantly to it. Dean Smith underscoring, I think, Crook, that he's a good manager. Yeah, and I think Billy Gilmore underscoring why he should have been in the team right from the start of the season because he had a real impact in that game. Again, listening to your commentary and watching the highlights, most of Norwich's attacks seem to stem from him. But defensively, it is a concern with Grant Hanley hobbling off. And you look at the firepower that Aston Villa have at their disposal, they should have enough to make it a good night for Steven Gerrard and a, a, a bad one for Dean Smith in what we can probably call the, the Dean Smith derby now. And it's quite an unusual situation for him having been sacked by his boyhood club to come up against them so quickly. He'll be keen to prove a point, I think, but they just don't have the quality going forward, do they, Norwich? You talk about David De Gea, one or two of those chances, he shouldn't really have had the opportunity to save that lack of cutting edge, the fact they've got so many defenders injured. I think it's difficult to make a case for Norwich winning this game. And also, uh, talking about Billy Gilmore, his creativity in that side, he also uh, had a little word with Cristiano Ronaldo in the game and said, get on the weights. Which I thought was quite amusing. <laughs> <laughs> tough jock, he's a tough jock. I, we also, we all stood in the rain for about half an hour after the game, getting soaked, wet through. So much so that I actually missed my dinner date with Guy Mowbray because I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to leave the hotel after after getting absolutely sopping wet doing the what interviews afterwards. Him? I did. I felt really bad about it as well. That's I texted him. I'm sorry, but I just can't go out now. I'm just absolutely wet. You know, ridiculous. It was pathetic on my behalf, and I'm sorry, guy. Uh, but the the other thing was is that you know Dean Smith was there, big, great, big jacket like like me. You know, he was dressed as a Sith Lord when he was doing his match of the day interview. Um, and then Billy Gilmore was just standing there in his kit. <laughs> Thank you.
and Chelsea are looking more defensively suspect than at any time under Thomas Tuchel. Daniel James looking to make room for a shot, drifting out to the right-hand side, goes down under pressure from Marcus Alonso. He's given a penalty! Chris Kavanagh has given a penalty for a challenge on Daniel James by Marcus Alonso. Up steps Rafinha then, left-footed against Mendy, little delay, and it's down the middle! And Leeds United hit the front at Stamford Bridge, and once again they failed to keep a clean sheet. Thomas Tuchel's defensive problems continue. Chelsea have won it back down the left-hand side, Marcus Alonso to the byline, into the near post, and touched so beautifully by Mason Mount for 1-1. Comes out to Marcus Alonso, flicks it down the left-hand side of the box, this space for Rudiger, who's taken down by Rafinha, a corner given. The Chelsea fans at the Matthew Hollingen howling for a penalty kick. Whistle the VAR screen. It's a penalty! <laughs> Referee blows his whistle, upsteps the Italian stutter, and a goal into the top corner. Emphatic penalty from Jorginho, and Chelsea have turned it around. Good football down the left hand side from Leeds. Click again. Blazing the overlap. Oh, it's in! Joe Gelhart! His first Premier League goal! Lukaku. Won't get hold of the ball. A penalty! Rudiger brought down at the edge of the area and another penalty goes Chelsea's way. Jorginho scores! Sends Melier the wrong way. Chelsea have surely won it right at the death. Chelsea 3-2 winners against Leeds in arguably the best game of the weekend. Um, three penalties, all of them correctly given, I think. And Leeds certainly back to their best in terms of fitness, energy and work rate. And, and tested a Chelsea side who relied on some Mason Mount brilliance and a bit of fight from Rudiger to get over the line, Trevor. Yeah, I mean, listen, I thought it was a great game. I agree with you. I think it was the best game, most entertaining game of the weekend. It does Churned me a little bit uh, looking at the the, the um, pattern of play and, and the passage of play which led to the penalty. I don't think that's a penalty. I think that's a really soft penalty. Well, there's three penalties, so you need to identify which penalty you're well, talking, talking about. talking about the last one, okay, uh, Rudiger's right. penalty. Um, yeah. I just thought he bought that. I thought, thought the referees were, you know, going into the season trying to get rid of that and stamp it out. And <laughs> I still can't believe it. you're complaining about that penalty and saying that the Xiao Moutinho one is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was handball. I thought his hand was raised above his arm, and I thought it hit his arm. But going back to the Rudiger one, I thought he, he listen. I think he's marmite. You either love him or hate him. He's a disruptor. He's a leveler. He, he puts himself about. He uses physicality. But you can't have both. I don't think you can be that kind of player and then go down so softly for a penalty. The referee fell for it. It was a good penalty, as we'd expect by the main man who, who, who's almost uh, made that penalty taking style his own. I thought it was an excellent penalty by Jorginho in a really difficult um, position with full of pressure and he just dispatched it like you wouldn't believe against you know, a decent goalkeeper. So... I think Chelsea got over the line, did well, but they are still not back to where they were at the beginning of the season where they were brushing every team aside. I think that left-back area is still a problem. Major um, issue. Alonso relying on him for the rest of the season when the going gets tough and you're in the later stages of the Champions League and you're competing for titles. I'm not convinced by that. They'll be okay this week. They've got Everton at home. We'll, we'll probably talk about Everton and, and their shambolic performance at Crystal Palace later so that they'll win there. And then there's still the, the reintegration of Romelu Lukaku into the team. We were speaking to Jason Cundy on Darren Ben's boot room on Sunday night and he says to him he still doesn't look fit. At the moment, he thinks Kai Havertz offers more in that false number nine position mm -hmm. than Lukaku does. That's a, a £93 million problem that Thomas Tuchel needs to solve. Well, he's solving it with a £72 million problem. So, I mean, it's not it's not too difficult, really, is it? I mean, you know, it's great to be able to rely on Kai Havertz if Roman Lukaku isn't firing on all cylinders. Um, Rudiger's an interesting one. I know you said he divides opinion. I mean, he divides opinion amongst even Chelsea fans. I mean, because if you look at the two sides of his game, sometimes he can be brilliant defensively, and he was during this match, but he was also uh, brilliant in the opposition penalty area, winning two penalties. But he also vacated the Chelsea penalty area to go on a 20 30 yard drive with the ball which sometimes really works in their favour then forgot about the fact that he needed to get back and that's how they scored their equalising goal right at the end of the game anyway so you know 
He does divide opinion amongst everybody. Too much, too much drama. Too much. There's too much. There's a lot. There's he so much going that. on, and yeah, also he, he, he just charges out of defence. And when as soon as that scrap happened, and he was like sixty yards away, he thought, <laughs> "I've got to get in the middle of this and show just how important I am to my my friends. I need to make sure I am the alpha male here and go and pick on someone quickly. Do it." Uh, well, but what made me laugh about that. I mean, it was a bit of a throwback to Lee's Chelsea games in the sixties and seventies. I think it was Rafinha who exited the scene very quickly. It was just casually. <laughs> strolling down the touchline while That'd the rest of the me. outfield players were scrapping by the corner flag. Off you go, lads. You get on with that. I'd be straight <laughs> down it. I'd be in the shower. Um, right, OK. Uh, Wolves nil, Manchester City won with Raheem Sterling's uh, 100th Premier League goal. And here is Raheem Sterling speaking exclusively to Nigel Adderley. 100 Premier League goals. What an achievement for you. Yeah, it's a nice achievement to win. The, the most important today was a difficult game, man. To get, get through, I'm just happy to, to be able to help the team. And they made it hard for you. Yeah, as I said, Wolves are always a, a team that we find, you know, really difficult to break down. They, they're really compact, and you know, we found it really difficult again today. And you're back in the side now. You have been recently, and you seem to be rediscovering that verve that you've always shown. Yeah, as I said, I'm a player. Um, you know, I like to feel a part of it. Like to, you know, feel, um, you know, I can help my team, and you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to have a run in the side, so I can, you know, can do just that. And with the players around the squad, you have to be on top form every time, don't you? Yeah, as I said, we've got um, two players in each position, two um, top top players in every position that plays for their national team. So it's um, loads of challenges, yeah. And you've got a game here on Tuesday. It's relentless at the moment. Yeah, Christmas. The Christmas period is always uh, a tough one, but it's one we know that we have to, you know, be focused and look look forward to the next. Brilliant and good luck to um, Raheem Sterling as well. We we're delighted uh, with the fact that he's got his 100th uh, Premier League uh, goal. Uh, Leeds beat Manchester City last season at the Etihad, Trevor, and got over a sending off to achieve it. They've got to get over a few injury issues uh, to achieve it this time around. Can they do it on Tuesday night? I think they can. I think they. they it, what Leeds can beat Man City steady that's what we just think, asked you and you said they oh, can excuse me excuse me no I don't, listen Manchester City uh, even though it was a close oh, game we got excited against, there for a moment against Wolves um, I think a lot of the problems that flowed from that game was from the referee uh, John Moss he let so many fouls go in the opening 15, 20, 25 minutes of the game that eventually he had to book Rodri for a drag back and then from there on in he was a bit card happy yeah. and that was just the, the, the way that he officiated the game, it ended up being a really bad-tempered game. Well, was he also the that. problem on, on Wednesday night when they lost to uh, RB Leipzig? No, 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 I think oh, RB, right. okay, uh, that was, it was a dead rubber and it's very difficult to raise your game for them kind of games and especially with the rotation of squad and, and the way that I thought RB Leipzig so great character, you know, managerless, went into the game, uh, them against the world and they pulled off a great result. I think Manchester City started that game really sloppily. This game, they started the game well. Um, but I think John Moss, with the way that he officiated the game, uh, it encouraged a little bit of bad temper between the two sides. It got very etchy. And that culminated in Raul Jimenez absolutely losing his head and putting his teammates in a really bad situation and going down to 10 men with a, a, a ridiculous um, decision to stay on the ball after he'd been yellow carded and then get a, a subsequent second yellow card and get sent off. And that kind of was the, the, the final nail in the coffin for Wolves and, and Manchester City started the second half superbly well. I was really pleased for Raheem getting his 100th goal in, what, 303 games. Excellent record for, for a winger. And, uh, you know, since he's been brought back into the side, I think he's been one of the brightest sparks and he looks like he's really found his form again. One of my favourite videos of the weekend um, was Wayne Rooney it's from a few years ago. Now, it must have been before a Manchester derby, but he is um, kicking a ball to uh, a toddler wearing a Manchester City strip. And the caption was, Manchester City's players trying to get Jack Grealish to score a goal. Um, because that is an issue, isn't it? The, the return of a £100 million investment. For me, Jack Grealish is, is yet to live up to the price tag. And again, like Thomas Tuchel, it's something that Pep Guardiola is going to have to find a solution for. And like Thomas Tuchel, he's got plenty of alternative options. But that, for me, is a move that hasn't worked out to this point. Uh, will Leeds repeat last season's success? You have to say it's unlikely, but I think Marcelo Bielsa will take a lot from defeat. They showed that character. They showed that physicality and that fitness that we became accustomed to seeing from Leeds last season. 
if they can go here and, and come away with a respectable scoreline and, and not get hammered, that should set them in good stead for the rest of the campaign when some of their key players are back to fitness. Chelsea take on Everton at 7.45 on Thursday night. Rafa Benitez goes back to Chelsea with the Toffees after being dismantled by Crystal Palace. Uh, there were chance of fat Spanish waiter after Richarlison was uh, taken off, followed by the Brazilian's own uh, song. I'm guessing that is Everton fans' way of saying, Crook, that they aren't very fond of Rafa Benitez. Would that be accurate? Well, they've only won one game since middle of September and that was against Arsenal. And you do wonder if they didn't complete that comeback win against Arsenal, would Rafa Benitez be out of a job? Um, because for all the improvement that we saw in the second half on Monday night, it was back to being shambolic on uh, Sunday. And obviously they got the goal back from Salem and Rondon, but it seemed a strange substitution when you're 1-0 down to take off Richarlison and bring on Rondon, who you know is not very popular with the fans and doesn't have a fantastic goal record in the Premier League, to say the least. It's just a bizarre change that, that Rafa made. He'll say, well, he got his goals, so it worked out in some ways. But ultimately, you look at the goal they conceded at the end. Seamus Coleman, I don't know what he's doing um, down by the corner flag. It was a wonderful finish in the end from Conor Gallagher. But that's a really bad defeat for Everton and it doesn't get any easier does it for them and it won't get any easier for Rafa Benitez we knew right at the start of the season it wouldn't take much for the Evertonian faithful to turn on the former Liverpool manager and I think he's got a massive job on his hands now to try and turn that situation around not sure Stamford Bridge on Thursday is the best place to do it Trevor with, with Rafa Benitez I mean he's on a hiding to nothing isn't he mm. He would have known that, and we said at the time he's got you know skin thicker than a rhino. He's, he he doesn't care. He knows that he can. He thinks he can diplomatically work his way out of any situation. Eventually, if you just stick with him long enough, he'll, he'll turn it around. But are they going to stick with him? Because I know that Farhad Mashiri has sort of indicated that he's he's going to, and he's going to put all his eggs in the Benitez basket. He's sacked Marcel Brands. So, I mean, there isn't really any other option of where to go after this, but sometimes it can just become too toxic, can't it? Well, you, you say he's going to get his way out of it. I think he'll coach his way out of it. He's proved uh, many times throughout his career that he's a great coach. He can get the best out of a group of players. Um, I think the problems with Brand and the recruitment at Everton uh, are highlighted. Mm. The depth of the squad, the quality in the squad, the lack of squad, I think is probably the the more uh, needed word. Um, for me, they are a, a club that's massively in transition. It's been going through transition for far too long. I'm not just talking about brand. I'm not just talking about Rafa. I'm talking for years upon years upon years. And unless they get some kind of uh, blueprint in place and protocol in place in which way they want to run the club, coach from the top to the bottom, recruit a certain amount, certain style of player for different positions, I think they're always going to be just bobbing around middle of the table. Um, I think it's a huge thing that clubs need now. They need a real um, blueprint of how they want to play. And you look at the top clubs, you know, they've all got their own different philosophies, but they've got a philosophy. And I think that's probably one of the biggest bonuses um, with Ralph going in at Manchester United. He will bring a philosophy to that club and that club will stick to that. I think when Pep Guardiola leaves Manchester City, Manchester City will continue to operate in the philosophy which Pep has made for that football club. I think Everton are lacking that DNA at the moment and we don't really know what kind of team they want to be. Yeah, hold that please, level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what, sorry? The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bingbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Raheem Sterling up against Jose Sarr. Sterling steps up right-footed, calmly done, down the middle. A century of Premier League goals for Raheem Sterling and Mo Salah, who in the week became the first Liverpool player since Ian Rush to score 20 goals in five successive seasons, has done it again. And here it's game over. Arsenal 3, Southampton 0. Terrible goalkeeping from Willy Caballero. A corner that was whipped in at pace. He got absolutely nowhere near it and he was beaten to it by Gabriel. Jorginho scores! Sends Melier the wrong way. Chelsea have surely won it right at the death to keep pace at the top. Ronaldo's had to wait a very long time. Crawl is going through his repertoire of antics on the touchline. He arcs his run up, steps up, slams it into the corner and sends Crawl the wrong way and sends Manchester United into the lead. Leicester going goal crazy. They lead Newcastle by four goals to nil. James Madison has had a hand in pretty much all the goals today and he's finally got his name on the score sheet. Hope was exceptional in the second half, making several excellent saves. Burnley rallied near the end, but they couldn't find the target. So it finished, Burnley nil. West Ham United now. Bristol Palace 3, Everton 1. This boy is a special player and he's just scored a sensational goal to surely give Bristol Palace all three points. Burnley nil, uh, West Ham nil, and Arsenal 3, Southampton nil with the weekend scorelines. They clash on Wednesday night. I mean, you just can't pick Arsenal, can you, at the moment? Uh, you know, the good news is is that one goal in 12 for Mikel Antonio now, and ultimately, if he isn't scoring, then West Ham don't. Uh, so that's probably good news for Arsenal, in a sense. He's been involved in 40% of their goals this season in some way, shape or form. I thought Arsenal's goal that they did score against Southampton playing out from the back was absolutely terrific. Uh, you know that Pep Guardiola has sent Arteta the aubergine emoji after watching that goal. He <laughs> yeah, would have been in love with it. Um, yeah, tactic worked very well against Saints, but West Ham are not going to allow them to do that because those sort of inches that they just about got away with passing that ball around to build that goal for Lacazette, you know, West Ham will be on them like a rash crook. It was a very Arsenal result and performance, really, because actually Aaron Ramsdale made a number of big saves in Again. the game. So they're still a team who give the opposition plenty of opportunities to get shots on goal. But this is going to be Arsenal this season. They'll beat the teams they should be beating. They'll lose to the teams that you expect them to lose, the top four and, and Manchester United. And then they'll throw in the occasional wobbler like they did against Everton on Monday night. I'm still not sure... It, we're seeing signs of a, a long-term rebuild under Mikel Arteta. The Aubameyang situation is very interesting because this isn't the first time um, that he's had disciplinary issues and that Mikel Arteta has had to leave out his captain. It'll be fascinating to see where they go from here because, quite frankly, nobody else is going to give Aubameyang the type of money that Arsenal are paying him, even if Arteta did want to try and get rid of him in January. Oh, I've heard that and story that, before somewhere, haven't I? Haven't I? Exactly. Um, so they certainly haven't learned that lesson. And, and the alternative to Aubameyang seems to be Alex Lacazette, who is letting his contract run down and he's going to leave on a free transfer in the summer anyway. So it's a big problem at the top end of the pitch. And I think they will have to be better. We're going to have to see the best of Arsenal if they are to overcome a, a West Ham side who've stopped scoring goals, but they're not conceding many at this moment in time either. And actually, you talk about penalties. I think given some of the spot kicks that we saw this weekend, David Moyes is right yeah. to be unhappy Absolutely. that the foul on Dawson wasn't penalised. Well, Dwight McNeil's given away a penalty 
seven days out of eight, hasn't he? I mean, that is there's no way that the VAR can have a look at that and not find clear and obvious er- evidence to turn it over. West Ham should have had a penalty in that game against Burnley, uh, but didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, with, with Arteta, I suppose it's hashtag trust the process, isn't it? Um, whereas with uh, West Ham United, how do they find their goal-scoring mojo? Because Antonio now really has started to struggle. Yeah, but I, th- I think when you, when you listen to... Um, the faithful West Ham fan who's sensible, looks at it properly, uh, assesses the situation. We've always known that they're a striker short and an out-and-out number, number nine short, especially with the way they play. It's uh, it's an integral part of their game, the way they play out, the way they use it as a focal point, the way they mix it up a little bit and go directly into Antonio. He's doing a lot right. Um, he's just looking a little bit leggy. I, I think, obviously, playing for Jamaica, the, the increased amount of games that he's having to play, uh, the lack of rest, the Europa League, which they've been involved with, I think it's just affecting the squad. And, and like we always said, if they get two or three injuries, which they have, they're going to struggle to uh, maintain the performances and the way they play. And I, I think that's actually what we're seeing at the moment. I think they'll be dipping into the transfer market for a centre-half or two very early in January. Dawson, I have to say, did very well. Absolutely Looks great, but you can't play those two for the rest of the season on no, their own. You, you know, Zuma's going to be out for a little while. Obviously, uh, there's a problem for Ogbonna. So they need they need backup. They need someone to come in if they want to play a back three. Cresswell's been out for a while too. And Masuaku obviously is... Great at some things and and, and not not great at other things. Um, So, yeah. Burnley take on Watford at 7.30. The other team that were involved in the fixture with West Ham this weekend uh, finished nil-nil. You know, Burnley, I don't really know what to make of Burnley. They've obviously lost Maxwell Cornet. That loses a massive goal threat. They keep throwing away leads when they have them. And then obviously when they are at home, it doesn't feel comfortable for them. They haven't had a great run there for a long time. No, but this is a big chance for Burnley because actually it's one win in seven now for Watford. That was against the Manchester United team that absolutely stunk out Vicarage Road. Um, And from the accounts I've had from people that were at the Brentford Community Stadium, despite the fact they led for a long time, Watford were actually quite poor. Oh, they were the rubbish night. on Friday night. It was, yeah. it, they, and um, the inexplicable decision that um, Ranieri made to make the change. I mean, it was, it was just uh, no one can, no one can understand why it was. I mean, you know, everyone was going, well, "Why has he done that? He's taken off a, a midfield player, ball on a forward, and he's left himself overrunning midfield." And then what happened happened. The Tinker Man uh, living up to his <laughs> name. So yeah, this this is a chance for Burnley, but. Golf scoring has been a problem for, for Sean Dyche for a long time now. Corne seemed to solve that in the short term, but just say with him unavailable, that they need their strikers to start finding the net again, and that hasn't happened for a while. Yeah, just when you thought they'd turn the corner. Uh, Crystal Palace 3, Everton 1. Focus on the Crystal Palace side of the uh, argument. Conor Gallagher has been involved in nine of Crystal Palace's 22 Premier League goals this season. That is 41%. Uh, that is a cracker's level of influence, Trevor Sinclair. Well, he's a top player. Um, he's a top prospect and he's turning into a top player. Watched him in the uh, under-21 game and out of all the under-21s that we that we watched, I took my son to uh, Turf Moor and out of all the players, I'd say Cole Palmer had a few flashes, but the best player on the pitch by far for me, when you're talking about a player that had the potential to step up, was Conor Gallagher. Mm. His physicality, his energy, his simplicity, 100% reminds me of Frank Lampard because he's got an eye for goal. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that he scored six and assisted three this season in a in a um, bit inconsistent, but a, a team that are attractive on the eye, which is Crystal Palace. And I have no doubt that he wants to finish the season really well or continue the season and finish it really well and try and force his way into that Chelsea side because I think he's got all the attributes to make a really good, effective Chelsea midfielder. Well, this time next year, he could be a Chelsea and England midfielder. I mean, he's already made his England debut, so um, the future looks bright for him. As well as scoring the opening goal, no player on the pitch had more touches in the opposition's box, fired in more shots, had more shots on target, created more chances, or played more passes in the final third than Conor Gallagher in the first half of the game. In fact, the only time that Crystal Palace have ever beaten Everton in the Premier League was 1994, before this game on Sunday, and he wasn't even born then. <laughs> that makes us all feel very old, oh, doesn't dear. it? Oh, 
Especially you two. One. I would imagine. My son was one up in 1994, so that <laughs> makes me be, feel very old. That 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 shirt was put was produced in 1994. <laughs> uh, that Crookie's wearing. Uh, Crystal Palace against Southampton. Then I suppose we have to start to worry about Southampton Crook. I mean, my worries started in the summer uh, with the midlife crisis gear, um, but it peaked with a half-time change of mind of the midlife crisis gear at the weekend. What, what on earth was Ralph Hasenhutl doing? He turned up in sort of like, looking as if he was going to a wedding, and then he, he came out dressed as an assassin in the second half. Well, I think he just got very wet. Um, actually, he, he had a, a Sam Matterface Guy Mowbray type situation, but he was uh, shrewd enough to take along a change of clothes, so he'd have been out to make his dinner Ooh. date. But listen, it's a worry for Southampton. I, I know they didn't drop points from winning positions this weekend. They have dropped 71 from winning positions under Ralph Hasenhutl. And I think his in-game management is now starting to be questioned by the Southampton supporters, the changes that he makes um, to try and alter the course of history. We, Willie Caballero brought in because they've got a 23-year-old goalkeeper who's been there because they've got a 23-year-old goalkeeper who's been there a long time that clearly they don't feel is, is up to the rigours of the Premier League. Well, nor is Willie Caballero on exactly. the evidence of what we saw at the weekend. He threw one in. He, he probably threw two in when you look at the offside goal and actually the, the header from Martin Erdegaard who was so embarrassed to score a header he went away <laughs> tapping his forehead. He's never he done it before, done. he said. He's never exactly. scored a header before. <laughs> But he's never played Willie Caballero before because I think the goalkeeper should have done better with that as well. So this is problems for Southampton. They've got injuries. They had suspensions at the weekend. There's no obvious sign of a cash investment in the team in January. If they stay up, I think it will be solely because there are three worse teams than them. Yeah, and um, they can't pay him off, can they, Ralph Hasenhoos? Well, that's one of the big problems because he's on quite a lot of money from what I understand. He is, and there's quite a big release clause as well if anybody else wanted to show an interest which you have to say based on the form since the start of last year that would uh, uh, appear to be unlikely it's been a long time since he thought he was going to get the Chelsea job isn't it yeah listen it's not great but until there's a change right at the top of the club in terms of new owners Southampton fans are going to have to get used to this the game plan seems to be to tread water and hope there are three worse teams than you it's a dangerous tactic. Mm, good luck with that okay talking about a team that are hoping there are three worse teams than them Newcastle United got battered on Sunday. What a dreadful defensive display from Newcastle. 4-0 losers away at the King Power Stadium. I mean, never in a million years is it a penalty that starts things off. Never. I mean, it's unbelievable that not only the referee gave it, but once the referee's given it, the VAR, who is Paul Tierney, must look at that and think, that is a dive. Because... James Madison has basically gone into the standing foot of Jamal Lascelles, who's pulled his leg away, and Madison has gone splashing into the penalty area. It's an outrageous decision, but it is not an excuse to lose 4-0. Unless they were slick, dynamic, um, they were on it on Sunday. Eddie Howe says that the scoreline was harsh. Trevor, I'm not sure it was. No, neither am I. I thought, the on the whole, uh, they were really poor. They defended terribly. I thought, um, like you just mentioned there, I thought Leicester looked more like the mute, their usual self. Passed the ball well, uh, looked great on the counter-attack, but controlled the game all in all. And um, I have to say, disappointing. Um, James Madison diving like he did. You know, I'm all for, you know, trying to bend the rules to, to gain an advantage, but that's pretty much cheating for me. You know, he, he's looked for the foot. He's gone over Lachelle's foot and... The worst thing is, you know, when it goes to VAR, that they've not asked the referee to go and have a look at the monitor because Crazy. they feel he's made a mistake. I mean, that is, I think that's the biggest atrocity that's gone on with the with, with the way that the, the penalty was given. I think it's shocking. Um, and, you know, there's no accountability. Why are VAR not asking the referee to go and have a look at the monitor? Because I don't understand Are that. they looking after each other? I don't understand that. It's ridiculous. It, I mean, how can he not look at that and go, you know, I, I think it's not a penalty, but you better look at it again just to make sure because, you know, I'm not 100% sure that it's a penalty. You better go and have a look at it. But they mm. don't. And it's no. crazy. It is absolutely crazy because there's no way. That does change the game, obviously. Of course it changes the game because the Goals opening do. goal in any game will change the the, the, the you know the, the, the trajectory of the match. But ultimately, this is this is a huge decision. Newcastle fighting for their lives. Crikey, you've got to get that right. And it's such a blatant error. I mean, look, 
look, there's nothing you can do about it now. Um, the Foxes registered a clean sheet, though, for the first time in 17 matches in all competitions, despite losing Johnny Evans to an early injury. So that is good news uh, for Brendan Rodgers. Um, Liverpool next for Newcastle. Jurgen Klopp happy with another Liverpool win? They bossed the game, didn't they, on Saturday? Yeah, they did. And, and there were all kinds of penalty shouts <laughs> in that game. Um, Steven Gerrard obviously unhappy with the penalty given against them, which I think was probably a spot kick. And I'm 50-50 on the one with Danny Ng. So if I'm 50-50, therefore it isn't a clear and obvious error. So you have to say that VAR probably right not to intervene. But Liverpool okay. were the dominant force, could have scored more goals. They'll beat Newcastle. I mean, you mentioned there that Eddie Howe will point to a game-changing decision. They didn't have a shot on target Newcastle in the first half against a Leicester defence, to use your analogy, who couldn't defend a Sandcastle. They lost Johnny Evans. This was a massive chance for Newcastle, one that they failed to take. And the way they capitulated is a massive worry. I don't think they'll get a point now, uh, at least for the rest of this year in, in, until they go into January. And then... Well, they've got easy the fixtures next. The they've got Liverpool, Manchester United and Manchester City. I mean, that, that's a breeze, isn't it? It's a nightmare. It's, it's a terrible result for morale, for the confidence of the fans, and probably for the confidence ah. of the board when it comes to opening the checkbook as well. But did they take a selfie afterwards? <laughs> no. Okay, I think that's a no. And it, listen, def- defensively, the Villa stuck at it in the game against Liverpool. And we're, you know, we're talking about Liverpool playing Newcastle eight o'clock on Thursday. Newcastle aren't as capable defensively as Villa are, which would be a massive worry uh, for Eddie Howe because they've conceded 34 Premier League goals this season, more than any other side. It's their highest tally of goals conceded after the first 16 matches of any league campaign since 1977-78 when they went on to be relegated, Trevor. You must have remember that yeah, one. Yeah, but I think... I think... When you look at that Newcastle side, you know that they've got a threat going forward. I think midfield-wise, they could add to that area, but defensively, I think that's their weakest point. Um, so I think if the checkbook is going to come out in January, which we don't know if that's going to be too late uh, with, with the, the points uh, that they're going to be adrift by that stage, they have to invest in the defenders because for me, it's not been good enough. Conceding too many goals and uh, yeah, not great. Um, look, we don't know whether they're going to be adrift or not at any stage, but we look at the table now and we think actually, you know, the way that things are actually it's still quite concertinaed. So mm. they're not adrift, are they? No one is. It's still up for grabs because Southampton and, and, and Watford are, are so bad. Leeds with their injury problems, you have to say they're still in it. Everton in free fall, but you'd imagine that Raffle was still out. So you're looking at Leeds, Southampton, Watford, Burnley, Newcastle and Norwich. I thought all along that Norwich would go... I think it's difficult for Newcastle, depending on what happens in January. And I think it will probably be Watford, would be my three at this stage. Okay, all right. Um, What about Leicester-Tottenham, 8 o'clock on Thursday? We know now that that game will probably go ahead. I mean, listen, Tottenham obviously have had some disruptions to training and Leicester are now sort of in the funk of, of winning a game. They've kept a clean sheet. Tottenham don't really score that many goals anyway. Could Leicester come away with all the points here, Crookie? Again, I think the result was more about Newcastle than about Leicester. Johnny Evans looks like he'll be out at least for this game and, and probably for a couple of weeks. So the, the injury situation doesn't get any easier. I think the form of Madison will be encouraging. Yuri Tillemans uh, back fit and back amongst the goals as well. You'd imagine Vardy will come back in. They seem to be rotating him now during this busy period. But Tottenham, despite their COVID issues, uh, have basically had a decent gap between games now. So Antonio Conte has had time to get them back in the training ground on Sunday and get them well drilled and and well organised. I think it's a, a difficult game to call. I, I guess we'll know more about how much of a corner Leicester have turned uh, come the close of play on Thursday. I don't understand that. How has he had them all back in the training ground if they only had 12 players available on Thursday? I don't. I mean, the isolation period is 10 days, isn't it? Well, they did re- They did return to the training ground on Sunday with the players that he had available. I guess he's been sanitised and shown to be a, a clean and safe environment. They would have been COVID tested as the, well. Those players who tested positive cannot be involved in this game on Thursday, right? There's no way that can happen. Well, we still don't know the identity of these 13 players, do we? So it will be an interesting team sheet when Antonio Conte submits it. Well, and also, you, you have to ask when were the, when when did the players um, show a positive test? So we don't know when that was. So they may be coming out of quarantine. Um, and Tottenham won the last three league games. They're confident. And uh, yeah, I, I would expect Tottenham to uh, put up a really good show in. And uh, especially with the work that Antonio has been doing with them and, and, and 
go there to win. Did you hear that, by the way, in the background? Crook just went, I've got to go, and then and ran off. And, and like, it's as if we couldn't hear him if he spoke into the microphone whilst you were talking. <laughs> I, mean, oh, I mean, he is a character, isn't he? Um, he is doing Brighton against Wolves because all of the matches this week are live on TalkSport and TalkSport 2 and via our app. And Brighton against Wolves is one of those. He'll be doing that game at 7.30 from the Amex Stadium with Paul Parker. Um, Brighton are another team who haven't played this weekend and they take on a Wolverhampton Wanderers side that are very binary, aren't they? I mean, every time you see a Wolverhampton Wanderers result, it's... Nil, nil, one, nil, one, nil, nil, one, one, nil, one, one. It, yeah. it doesn't get any more than that, or any less than that, does it? No, they've conceded the least amount of goals outside the top three. Um, very, very disciplined, work hard. Uh, Neves and Martino in the middle of the park uh, help them keep possession really well when they do win the ball back. And they've got a threat, you know, Raul Jimenez is, is back in the goals. Um, you've always got pace with Traore. And uh, yeah, they do pose a threat, but they are so well drilled. And with Conor Cody in the back line there, his communication skills, his leadership skills, they won't concede a lot of goals. I've been impressed with Aitan Nore. Uh, played really well against uh, Raheem Sterling at the weekend. I, I saw him when he first came into the side. He looked like a boy. Uh, he looks like he's developing and progressing really well. Played like a man, took responsibility and even um, was a bit of a threat going the other way against Manchester City. So, yeah, no, they're a well-drilled side. Uh, Bruno Lage turned them into a bit of a nasty side. L- little late ch- tackles, uh, no no love lost between the, the team that they play against. And yeah, that'll be a big test. And what game are you at this week? I am at the Chelsea-Epton game. All right. Okay, so that's on Thursday night, isn't it? Is. it? And yes. um, that's... Chelsea for Christmas shopping. Oh, so you're going down to London, 7.30. Yeah, you can go into... Mm. Uh, there's a big Primark down there. You'll love it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing Horrible. Brentford versus Manchester United on uh, Tuesday night, but I don't even know if I'm going to get to go to that now. And on for, uh, Thursday, I'm doing Liverpool versus Newcastle. So that's, that's always... It's always got sort of like iconic status, hasn't it? Because of the four threes back in the day, mm. but there's absolutely zero chance of it being 4-3. Unfortunately. Fact, you've got no chance of, uh, of Newcastle getting anywhere near like being one goal difference between them and uh, a Liverpool side who seem to be in great spirits at the moment. Uh, Trevor and I are actually doing a charity uh, run at the moment where we're doing five kilometres a day, every single day in uh, in December. I don't know about you, but we are now on day, what, 12. <laughs> but I am aching a lot. You know, my legs are hurting um, because it's accumulatively, it's, it's quite a lot. You know, that's, 50, that's 60 kilometres we've done already. And I know that like, everybody else does it often and whatever. 5K is quite a lot for someone like me. I know you do it in about 15 blinks of an eye, but I, <laughs> I take, it takes half an hour out of my day every day. But I've been, do, I've been following your uh, suggestions, by the way, strength and conditioning. I've been doing a bit yeah. of that. Keep myself going. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just to help that muscle mass and so you don't pick up any little strains and, and muscle pulls and things like that. Yeah, I, do, I have noticed, though, my thighs are getting bigger. Good. I know, but that, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Okay, massive. I can't get my jeans are really tight around just around my thighs, loose around the waist, but you know, tight around the thighs. Not necessarily a good thing. You'll have, you'll have to go from the skinny fit to standard jeans. <laughs> Apparently, that's in now. Um, right, okay, Trevor, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks good to Crook stuff. as well. He's on a train now. Uh, that's it from us. We're back on Friday morning when we'll look back at all of the games that do take place during midweek, but also preview another round of Premier League action. That'll be early morning on Friday when that podcast is out with all the fallout to the games, the interviews and bits and pieces as well in a midweek round of the Premier League. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to... Uh, it's in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to... Uh, it's in the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.